My name is Blake Moore, and tonight I'm going to be interviewing Mendocino County muralist Lauren Sennett. We're going to be discussing her recently completed community history mural, which covers an entire block of Ukiah, including the inspirations and challenges of such a project, as well as talk about the official unveiling scheduled for tomorrow, Friday, May 6th. A resident of the Southern Mendocino Coast since 1998, Lauren Sennett is a working artist in an old world manner. She paints pictures that are full of pattern and decoration, but also tells stories, often with portraits. In her words, I make things that regular people need, like business signs, logos, and even a high school mascot on the basketball court floor. I learned to sew from my mom and grandma, which is very useful now, not just to make my own clothes and create the velvet vulva line of purses, but also to hem pants and make prom dresses. This is also something people need. Sinnott grew up in Wisconsin's Dairyland in a creative beatnik home. Her mom was an artist and illustrator, and she copied her from before she was two. An exchange year abroad in Belgium shaped her. There's really good coffee in the world, she says, and houses that are 400 years old. At Rice University in Houston, she got the training necessary to shape talent in painting, but also art history. Her master's degree focused on the Renaissance and exposed her to art that was full of meaning, held symbols, had inscriptions, and told stories that people with a shared culture understood. That's what she aims for now, using her sons and the people around her to populate the painted stage. The block-long history mural in Ukiah is the culmination of all of this. It has 26 panels arranged chronologically, each devoted to a major theme. Within each panel are multiple interwoven scenes, all set against a continuous backdrop of nature. Over 200 portraits, mostly human, but also three wolves, five dogs, two cats, a bull, and a duck. You can see the whole project in person in Ukiah or also at www.historymural.com. Dot com. Here's a conversation I had with Lauren earlier this week. Lauren Sinnott, it is such a pleasure to have you here with me on Be More Now. I am so thrilled and amazed by your incredible work and what you've been doing in Ukiah on the community mural. It's really something special. Thank you, Blake. <laughs> you want to tell listeners a bit about your background and also how you came to the Mendocino Coast? Yes, yeah, sure. It is definitely a story. So, I um, grew up in Wisconsin Dairyland, in in a German like a town that had um, Catholic German immigrants. You know, from way, a long time back, like my classmates were third generation, fourth generation. Um, so it was definitely a town full of farms. But my parents were beatniks, and my mom supported the family by doing art, and my dad uh, was a poet. But he he also really contributed to the family income because he was not shy. My mom was super shy, and he's the one who would go out and get jobs for her, like book book cover design and things like that. And so it was a house full of books and art and um, not, not even TV until I was seven. And so I grew up that way in this really cool, tight, fairly tight-knit community. I mean, at least in the sense of the kids at school, we were all 
one unit, you know, like there we're all different, but there weren't um separate schools, like there wasn't, oh, those are the rich kids or those are the poor kids. It was really uh, tightly knit, and I love that now. And so anyway, I grew up in that town, and then I went to Belgium for an exchange year of year abroad, and that was awesome because I spoke French and, you know, all the time at home and in school, and school was really hard there. It was not like I was a very high achiever in, in high school and I mean all through school but they and were still today quick. I think some might say <laughs> what and still today right yeah yeah I yeah. think so but <laughs> they worked so much harder they were so much more serious they would take really serious notes in class and then they'd go home and before supper they'd recopy them in different colored pencil and get them neater and more perfect and so I learned a lot from them. It was a good experience. And then also, this is a place with an old culture, uh, you know, like 400-year-old homes that people lived in and um, the art of conversation and everything you would think about Euro- European culture. So I think it lit – I mean, my dad loved history, and I'd been exposed to it, but that also lit a fire, like understanding the past. And then I – um went from Wisconsin to uh, Houston to go to college. I got tons of scholarships from Rice University because they were super generous and had lots of oil money. And so I um, ended up getting three degrees there. And I also liked Houston. I mean, I, I would hate the politics now, but it was different then, too. And Houston around the university is really a liberal place, a very cool place. And... um I love the heat and the humidity. And I stayed there for 22 years and got, not the whole 22 years in school, but I got three degrees. And the the first two you could expect, you know, art and art history in French and then painting. But the third degree, a master's in art history, is maybe not what you'd expect. But I just want to tell people that that was crucial. It's so important. Like, if you're going to do art Maybe this isn't as true for, like, car mechanics or something, but still, I think it could be. If you're going to do something, it really helps to understand the history of it, like how people used to do it before. Why did they do it? What did they make compared to now? And so that degree in art history, and I specialized in the Italian Renaissance, really um, helped form me as a person, but definitely my style of painting. And so then I was in Houston. I was pretty sick of it. I mean, in the sense there were so many people, like everywhere, you just turn in a circle and you knew anywhere your face was facing, there was just millions of people in that direction. And so I yearned for the ocean, and people told me, your kind of people live in Northern California, so go there. So I got a bus that had been um, outfitted in Alaska with, with beds and a wood stove and all that, and the kids and I packed up and went across the United States in a big figure S. We went up like to see my family and went to the Grand Canyon and then eventually came into California in L.A. And that, that was a cool experience because there were lemons and limes and avocados laying on the sidewalk, which I thought was very cool. Stuff you can eat just <laughs> laying very around. Very Southern California, yes. Yes, and then the ocean. Oh, my God, it was so beautiful. But the goal, I mean, the destination was always Northern California, not only because Southern California is really expensive, but it was crowded. You know, I could see it would be hard to find a place to live. 
And so we headed north, and I, I'll spare you some of the details about the, that trajectory, but we ended okay. up in Point Arena. And the thing I never knew about Northern California is I certainly never knew about the climate on the coast. I didn't know it was cold. And we arrived on September 9, 1999, which is a cool date, 9999, and it was beautiful and sunny, and I thought this was great. And the other thing I never knew was the tiny populations. You know, outsiders think California is just a lot of big cities, and so it definitely wasn't that. So it was what I was looking for. I wanted the ocean and a tight-knit community in a a rural setting. And so we... um, to Calo- or we came to Point Arena, parked the bus. I went in this coffee shop for coffee at, with the kids, and three people came up to me. The first one came up and said, is, is that your bus? Are these your kids? We are um, starting a, a charter school, and we just opened the doors. They need to be in school. And, and here are the papers, the application papers. And I was really happy because it was the 9th of September, and we were already late for school. The kids are 5 and 10. So I said, awesome, <laughs> let me have those papers. And then the next person said, is that your bus or those your kids? And he said, I think I might know where you can live. And he went out to the payphone, which was across the street then, and called Pam Chapman up on the ridge. And she said yes. And so we had a home. And then the third person, um, this was Ann Niven, came in and said, is that your bus or those your kids? And she saw the stickers on her bus, things like um, goddess stickers and uh you know, that kind of thing, pagan spirituality. And she said, we publish pagan magazines. Our house is right there. Come to dinner. <laughs> so we had dinner and a home and a school, and I stayed. <laughs> it was, yeah. That's the way I think Point Arena is, and a lot of yeah. the home and just, you know, coaches like that. If you're supposed to be here, you will. It will yeah. work for you. And if you're not, it, you won't. It's, it's yes. that simple. It's kind of amazing. It and that was. was 1998, wasn't it? 99. 99. And, and it's like, I'm sure you'd agree, it's it's not like everything's perfect. And as no. you know, <laughs> there have been lots of fights here. I was recalled from my position as mayor and all sorts of things happened. But I do think I was meant to be here. And um, people really, like one year later, after we lived a year in the bus, I got the opportunity to buy this house. And I had just saved $2,000. And my mom loaned me a little bit of money that she just inherited from my grandma, whose maiden name was the same last name as the family who lived here for decades, and the lady had died four years earlier. And then I needed to raise the rest of the money. And I went around town and asked people who were becoming my friends, but still at that point, you know, this is only a year in, didn't know me all that well. I asked to loan them to loan me money. And a whole bunch of people said yes. And they did. And I now know it was probably pot money. I had no clue then. But they loaned me money, and I got the house and paid them all back, and here I am. I'm in the house right now. People are very generous in that sense. I had a similar thing happen when I was buying my place. People gave me personal loans, and they're such a wonderful gift, people that you you know just through the community, and to do that and even to offer is such a blessing. yeah, and it's I think amazing. there's something about being a woman by yourself and, you know, yes. I want to help you and you can do this. And there is something yeah. so yeah. incredibly rich about that generosity of spirit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I remember when you came to town, I had only been here for a couple of years, and I was so glad because 
you were another wild woman showing up. Yes. I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, I'd found my clan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and it helped, too, to have um, have children, you know, yeah. and in a way maybe. It, so I think two things are true if you're in a couple or not in a couple. So if you're in a couple, people do invite you out. Like other couples invite you because you're a stable unit. And they don't do that so much as single people. But as a single mother with the two kids, I got just immediately pulled into that group of people. You know all these people that had kids that were around the same age at that time. And we all socialized and did those, um, you know, the drummings on the beach at night and all of that stuff that we could all do together with our kids. So it was super social, super integrating right away. Yeah, very rich community. I felt the same way. That I was only planning on staying here for a couple of years, and I didn't know anybody. I was writing for a living. I could be any place, and yeah. I had the same experience where like, I was amazed at this beautiful place with such welcoming, creative, interesting people of all ages. Yeah. You know, that was yeah. the thing, too, about the multi-generational which that's true. You know, we'll get into when we talk about your mural, but that's another thing that I think people that don't live in small communities, don't get as much of because yes. people stay with their groups more. But here you, you kind of all have to be together, right? You don't yes. get as much of a choice. Yeah, I think it's true yeah. and it's good. Yeah. I want to take a brief moment and let you know that you're listening to Be More Now. I'm your host, Blake Moore, and I'm talking with Mendocino County artist and muralist, Lauren Sennett. I really want to commend you that I know you talked about there's a way that anyone who's listening to this conversation can go to is it historymural.com. Yes, yes, definitely. Let's get that out there so listeners can go to www.historymural.com, and that's this mural. And then if they go to the menu at the top, I mean, they can go to any part of it that they want, but the menu at the top, there's a button that says sections, and right underneath that there's a page it says all 26 mural panels and if they click on that they'll see all of them and then if we talk about any given one they can go to it so why don't you talk about the background of this mural how it got started what your inspiration is and then go into describing it okay so it's on it's in Ukiah and it's on this corner that I call my magical corner because um, it's at the corner of Oak and Church which is just on the western side of central downtown Ukiah, very central. Um, and in when 2014, I had just gotten married at the Saturday Afternoon Club to Dan Hamburg um, in that wonderful wedding with the coolest outfit I've ever sewn for myself. And that's on one of the one of the buildings right on that corner. And then the marriage imploded, and the next two years after the opportunity to get this uh, mural commission in the community foundation came up and I won that commission and that's kitty corner on the same corner right and so in 2016 I was inside the hall painting this cool mural which you know is is sizable but not anything compared to this one um, painting a portrait of the county with the seven regions that they identify in each region. No people, but each region with an iconic tree, um, icon- an iconic um, wildlife, member of the wildlife community, and, and like real geography and all this other stuff. So 
that was really fun, and the Community Foundation Hall became my living room for that whole summer. And then, um, and of course, right across the street is the conference center, which I didn't think too much about until they advertised. I saw it in the ICO. They advertised um, this opportunity, and it was actually the first opportunity for a work of art to go through the public, the new public art policy that the Ukiah City Council had adopted. And so that came up, and I thought, oh, that's my corner. And I went, you know, went to Ukiah, looked at the building and thought, oh, my God, that's so awesome because it's really big, and it's just a, a giant canvas. It was the whole north wall of the conference center. It's a block long. The, it, it's literally, I think, 200 feet long, but if you – take out the um, the entrance and the corner awning and windows and stuff. It's like 150 feet long and 19 feet tall. And I thought, I'm definitely going for this. And so I, um, and immediately I thought of history because like I told you that I think a lot about history. It's, it's like our story. I actually have a little anecdote that illustrates why I think it's important in sort of a funny way. So, I was having dinner with a dear friend in my favorite restaurant, Ukiah, and I, I was going to tell him about this really cool thing that I found in art, an art history thing. And he's looking at me, looking doubtful, and like, you know, is this stuff really important? And I told him, Phil, if every, all of us are walking into the future, right? But we're walking backwards because we can't see the future. We can see the past, and we can look sideways and see the present. Now, would you want to do that basically with your eyes shut? And he said no, and he ordered champagne. So I think knowledge of the past is important, but to me it's also just fascinating. So it just immediately leaped into my mind that this would be a cool thing to do on this wall because it's um, – you've seen it, right, Blake? It's – a masonry wall. Oh, yeah, I, I came one day while you were working on it just because okay. I wanted to see you in person. Yeah, and so it it lent itself to this idea of a march of different subjects that are linked because it has these crevices in the wall that, are, that run vertically, and they split the wall into 26 panels. And so I immediately thought of history, local history, and putting it in all these different panels that each had different meaning and sort of marched along chronologically. And so then um, we, when we, the people who entered the contest had to describe their idea, and that was not very hard to do. But then when I was chosen to be a finalist, I had to flesh it out. And then, you know, reality hits. And like, what exactly are you going to depict? And so I did tons of research which at that time was a lot, but was only a fraction of what ended up being in the work because, you know, you learn as you go along and people tell you things and bring materials and photos and tell their family stories. But so I did all that research and developed a sketch, which also was a ton of work, and submitted it and um, went through an interview and was chosen. And so I was going to get to do this cool thing on the third corner of my magical um, corner in Ukiah. So that's that's how it started for me. And, then, and when was that? That was 2018, and I got 
it was Valentine's Day when Alyssa Weir from the Arts Council called me to tell me that I'd been selected. So that was really awesome. So then in the end of May, very beginning of June, we went and did the pressure washing. You know, I bought a scaffolding, put it together, did the pressure washing, and I did the primering of that whole wall. And it was ready, ready to start in, like, June 2nd, 2018. And then, so should I just, like, synopsize how that – okay, so what happened was it's this long thing, right? But you don't necessarily do the first panel completely and then move to the next. What was more practical because of the scaffolding and because it's not one of those types that just raises itself up and down like you have to take it apart – so it made a lot of sense to put it at its highest level and do the whole top first. And there's another reason to do that, which is you don't want to drip on all of your fabulous work below. So uh, there's a good reason to just go cross, sort of like a printer. And and you have your way up on the scaffolding. You have all the same colors. So I was going to move sideways and do um, at the very top, there's an architectural element. Like the building has a decorative, a very simplified, like, art deco piece of metal decoration. And um, so I worked with that and painted more architecture up there to go with it and lettered one word in each, at the top of each panel, in that section. And then underneath that, you start to see the landscape. And so, the you know, the top of a landscape is sky. So it's sky and clouds and then distant hills. And so I just went sideways, you know, like a printer that whole summer in, through November, into November and did the whole top. And then, and they also thought, like, this will probably take a year. <laughs> or I think it was predicted, like, this would be a year's project. And one thing about me is I'm really good at taking, you know, like leaping into an opportunity that I know is the right thing to do. And I didn't really predict how long it would take, but um, definitely it was not going to be done in a year. So I did the whole top, and then, you know, it got cold and the rains came and all that. Oh, yeah, and then, let's see, 2018, that also was the year of some major fires, too. So it was a super dramatic year. There was the Mendocino Complex, which started right there, you know, within miles but the wind pushed the smoke the other way at first, but then it, it came came back around and there were a lot of smoky days and we all started wearing masks for the first time. And then there was a paradise fire that was so far away, but the plume was so gigantic and it was blowing directly west. And it came over Ukiah and it was like deep dusk at noon on that day. It was It was incredible. That was in November. So it was a dramatic um, first year of work. Yeah, it was, right? The planes, like, flying overhead. You know, I'm right downtown, and it's not that far from the airport, and planes flying constantly. And there were um, firefighters from all over, not only other states, but other countries that came to help. And people would, you know, not let them pay in the grocery store or in the restaurant. It was really an amazing time to to, you know, feel such gratitude for all that help that we were getting. Did you change your design to incorporate some of what happened during 
we, we, we don't see such dramatic changes in our lives the way we have over the last couple of years. Did, yes. did some of your elements shift? Totally. Like, every single panel changed some. And like I said, there were lots of specifics that came later. You know, like I'd meet someone whose family was involved with this thing that I was painting or some specific little story which was really interesting. It just had to go in there. But then it, big themes, too, and the fires, that was the like one of the biggest changes was um, it, way towards the end, like the 23rd panel is service. And so, and originally, you know, when I was doing my sketch, I was thinking, oh, Ukiah is full of service organizations and they do all this good work and how do I portray that? And I sort of thought I'll paint a senior lunch. But then the fires happened and it finally dawned on me one day that this has to be, I mean, this has to, the firefighters have to be in here. And then, of course, taking an idea further, their military service has to be in there. And um, then the pandemic hit in yeah, exactly. 2020, and then that has to be in there, the service of medical professionals and EMTs and first responders. And um, so that panel changed entirely. Imagine that started out as a senior lunch, which was sort of a dumb idea, but I'm glad. I'm glad well, I, I mean, it's, it's not dumb. It's just the way we think of it in a different way. All of our interpretations and our appreciation of those around us that do that hard work really came to the front in ways that we probably did not anticipate. Yeah, yeah. So that changed a lot. And then one thing that changed with in terms of technique was when I – so the fires were raging through 2018, and I, you know, was doing the whole top, and I got to that service panel, which is way to the west, and just – started the like smoky air which has a lot of orange in it it was the very first time i used orange in the whole mural because if you think of clear skies you know distant landscape beautiful clouds and the distant hills are always bluish they're not orange so it was the first orange well i blake moore host of be more now am going to take a break from this conversation with the amazingly talented mendocino county muralist lawrence Sennett to talk about something else that's truly amazing and that's this station it's really an exciting time for kzox as we are in the midst of creating a new ukiah studio which should be completed in 2023 and just so you know kzox must move because we're losing our ability to send our signal from philo the line of sight to the satellite from the Philo studio has been diminishing for years because of the tree growth. Soon, it won't be possible for KZOX to connect and we'll be off the air. So by moving to Ukiah, we'll secure our signal and keep it strong for the years to come, thus better servicing you, our entire community of listeners. But don't worry, we still plan on maintaining a presence in Philo with a remote studio and office, just like we currently have in Ukiah, Fort Bragg, and Willits. This is a big effort, and as you may have noticed, we started our two-week pledge drive last Saturday, April 30th, 
And this is a special drive for the KZWX building fund, not for operations. And fortunately, the operation funds that we usually raise during this time are being provided by a grant we received last year from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which allows us to use donations raised during this drive toward the building fund. So that means the funds raised during this special building fund drive will go toward the funds that the station must raise in order to renovate and move. Other funding for this project will come from grants, major donors, and events. Your contribution to the building fund will also give you a year's membership. And there are a lot of other incentives, including your name on a public display as a list of supporters for the new Ukiah building. We'll also have special commemorative building fund mugs available for donations of 150 or more. And of course, you can learn more about the building fund and donate by visiting the information page on our website. That's kzyx.org. And if you want to find out more about the building fund itself, you can visit kzyx.org forward slash building dash fund for more information directly about the building fund. So please... Right now, visit kzwax.org and help us secure our new home in Ukiah, keeping our KZWX voice strong in this amazing community of humans. Let's get back to Lauren and the work she is unveiling tomorrow, Friday, May 6th from 5 to 8 p.m. And the reception is at the Ukiah Valley Conference Center at 200 South School Street. Church Street between Oak and School will be closed at traffic and open for music and other surprises. For more information, you can go to historymural.com. And now let's get back to the interview with Lauren. Don't forget to pledge. And, and then, so should I um, synopsize the next year? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay, so then... 2019, I, you know, and everybody was on board from the city. They were very supportive, too. I didn't even mention that yet. We didn't get to that topic about, like, how to portray the Native experience in our area. But um, the Design Review Board and the Planning Commission and, therefore, the City Council itself were very supportive. This did go through their process <clears throat> as part of that public art policy, and um, I got a lot of support and I think they could so it took a little vision on their part at that point because I hadn't done any of these foreground scenes yet it was just all this beautiful sky and clouds super soft colors and these intriguing words at the top and so they they said sure you know this is going to take longer so you just go ahead so I waited out you know the winter and the rains and came back out at the beginning of May the next year this is 2019 and now I am doing the whole panel, like from that middle, middle distant, distant middle ground down to the ground. And so I started with nature, and it, which goes back in time. I, you know, I'm sort of an encyclopedic person. I'm certainly not going to tell the history of a region without mentioning that there are eons here that didn't have humans in them at all. And so, like, if the mural was accurate chronologically, 25 of the panels would just depict nature without humans. And then we could put all of the native experience and all of the white experience and all of everything that happened with humans in the very last panel. But 
that wasn't realistic with this. So one panel is devoted to nature. So I did that one first. And it, it's at this point that I'm really starting to get a lot of interaction with the public because before it was up so high, I think lots of times either I'd be hard to talk to, you know, because I'm way up there, or they didn't, so, sort of didn't see me, you know. But now I was um, in the middle and then moving down. Yeah, you're, you're within earshot, and you can actually look at people, talk to people. Totally, right? and it's you're accessible now. <laughs> yes. So I started getting a lot of interaction, and it was cool. I I like it. You know, like sometimes it's distracting, but you can. I mean, I'm a mother. We have to. You have to get things done, no matter what's going on around you. And so I would paint and talk to people, hear their stories. And they would bring me gifts, you know, they'd bring me food and um, sushi from from um, the restaurant right next door and all this stuff is really cool. And then also, and they would bring ideas and materials and all that that I mentioned. And then sometimes they'd tell their personal stories. And I, some, I think it sort of helped that I was painting, you know, like, and I ask questions because I love hearing people's stories. It's sort of like watching a movie inside your head to just hear about their lives and so I'd ask questions but keep on painting and therefore I wasn't staring them in the face and and they people would really open up and tell me um you know some fairly intimate stories about family and you know some difficult stories some of which got incorporated in the mural but anyway so I'm I'm painting the foregrounds now and so now also I'm painting human figure and that um is interesting it's cool people like to see it and you need models and so because I like to work from life and I don't mean like living and breathing I don't have someone sitting in front of me the whole time and I'm painting something because that would be hard for the person I work from photos well especially since it took a few years (laughs) yes right you have to sit here for two years (laughs) you're in such a part of this mural (laughs) yes so then there was that interaction where and especially later it it got even more um, involved and intense and interesting because later in the mural is more towards contemporary times. So I'm not only painting human beings, I'm painting the people themselves in these scenes that relate to their lives now. And um, I think people really liked that. It was interesting to see uh, either themselves painted or someone from their family or someone they knew or or not, but just to see, oh, there's a real person that she's interpreting and putting on on the wall. And so the um, in 2019, so these very first scenes, this is going chronologically, so the first scenes are of the Native um, experience and life and culture in this area, which lasted well over 15,000 years and was deep and in intense in the sense of um a lot of culture linguistic richness like the anthropologists say it's one of the most um linguistically diverse areas in either in the world or in the in North America and because there are a lot of people because the resources were so rich there were right. quite a few people that had enough to provide for them and they were somewhat separated by geography, right, because it's not just a flat plain. And they had connection, they traded, they interacted, but 
they were separate enough and stationary enough that they developed their own languages to like an amazing extent. And so um, there's a lot to portray there. And I did, I interacted with a number of Native people and I had gotten advice from um, tribal members here that I knew before I started and then did a bunch of research and then came to know some people there too. And it was challenging partly because like I, I said to you in the note, in a way you could say, it should be a Native person painting this. And I think that's true. And I'd be super supportive of any Native artist that is portraying their history. But um, in my defense on this project, this is a project that's supposed to address everybody who's been here. So it's a, you know, it's a wide-ranging subject. It's not just Native people. So right. I think because of that, it could be any one of us. And so since I was chosen, then um, I'm going to portray it. But I did, so I did my best with the research, and the imagery can be difficult because, you know, I want to work from life. I want to work from real people. But what we have to go from is either photographs or a few, like, engravings, older, pre photography imagery but it's all going to be seen through a european or you know white american lens of the person either creating that work of art or taking the picture and then you have the the relationship of the photographer to the subject you know and by the time you get photography which is the 1830s then you all, almost almost all the native people that appear in these photos are in western dress by now, and and I would surmise not being usually being as fully open or revealing themselves uh, totally, right? So you have to try to interpret them, and I would just use the photos that I had and try to let them speak for themselves in a way, just through my um, paint strokes. And right, then, I can I can understand that because there's so much stereotyping that we have mm-hmm. in our interpretation of Native cultures that mm-hmm. through the people that I know have kind of pointed out the folly of some of that thinking. And it's it's challenging because, like you said, you're trying to depict the entire history, so you're not just doing Native history, but as a, a non-Native person, you can't leave that out because you're not Native. You know, it's not cultural right. appropriation. So much of that is so challenging to just yeah. tell a story, right? I can, I can right. imagine that must have been really... You know, to say walking on eggshells is kind of how so many of us are doing right now because it's so easy to offend somebody. But when your intention's in the right place, mm-hmm. I think that people can see that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I tried to listen to, like, get as much advice as I could and take in, um, you know, suggestions. And I met one person especially who was helpful. His name is White Wolf James. He is... Um, lives in Ukiah, and he had a background working in museums on Native history. So he had resources and objects and advice, and and that was helpful. And and did and you a, just meet him because he came by, or did you seek him out to get information? I didn't know about him. He just came by. He was parking there, and, yeah, I think he just happened. Maybe he was curious about the painting, too, and um, 
and then so then we met and and I thought oh this is perfect you know and he felt the same thing too like let's let's get to know each other and and um let's collaborate so he helped quite a bit with his materials and um clothing like I mentioned with photographs some natives would be in western clothes so that was challenging too you know I did as much research as I could on the type of clothing that they made for themselves cuz the, these first panels are all pre-contact and so um that's that way I sort of kept it simple like if I didn't know if I did know you know like they they would wear a skirt made of stripped strips of inner bark like okay good I can do that and um and then I, you'd read descriptions. And then in some other things where I had to sort of make it up, I would just keep it simple. And being a seamstress, I might, you know, and I could imagine what you'd do with the skin and just have it be fairly simple. Um, but the thing with White Wolf, there was a cool, one of the many cool things that happened was he, I was painting him. He modeled too. So he's native. So I had him model for this elder who was, making um, money out of shell beads. And um, I put him right next to a portrait of a young Pomo girl that was from a really well-known photo taken by Edward Curtis. And he titled his photo uh, 16-year-old Pomo girl, right? He didn't either didn't know her name or didn't record it. And I showed White Wolf, you know, you're going to be right next to her. She's wearing all these necklaces of these white beads that are money. And he said, oh, I knew her. He knew her in later life, and he knew her name, so we could name her. Her name is Frances Jack. And he said, not only that, but this photo that you used earlier in a previous panel where this woman is um, beating, seed beating, you know, gathering seeds, the photo that I used for inspiration for that figure was her mother, Cecilia Joaquin. And so we could, we could dig back into the past a little bit and at least give names to some of the faces and bodies that I was painting. And that was really cool. And then, so then as I'm moving west, um, and we're marching toward into, like, the period of, so you get into the colonial period, and then you get contact, and you get um, white, uh, European, and Hispanic, or Spanish first, and Mexican um, missions in California, and then the big ranches, and you get the first interaction. But the panel that I painted at that point, I called it Expanse because at least where we live in this county, th there was more room. There wasn't a mission right up here, and so there was more room to coexist. But then in the next panel, which is called Immigration, that's the one that represents the gold rush and just this just flood and inundation of people coming of either European Americans or wherever all the people that came here for the gold rush came from. And they came from a lot of places. But you get this huge immigration. And so that happens 1849 and onward. And during the next 25 years, there literally the populations of natives and white settlers reversed. And that just sounds like mathematics. You know, like it went from 
150,000 natives and 15,000 whites to the reverse. But for that to happen in that short a time is unnatural. You know, it means a lot of death and death to uh, illness, uh, but also deprivation, starvation, and murder. And so that, so you have to, in this period, now I have to paint two things. You know, there's this, the settlement and the early settlers of Ukiah and all of that, which has many positive sides, but then the whole picture of what happened with the native population. And you can't leave it out. And as I presented to the Design Review Board and the Planning Commission, this project had to have that in it. It would be like having an abusive grandfather, which I would know about because I had one, in the family and no one ever talking about it and everyone pretending everything was fine. And you can't do Absolutely. that. I'm in complete agreement with that. Yeah, you, know? you can't. And, like, one of the three things they wanted for this was a positive sense of the future. Well, well the three things were to highlight the natural world, um, agricultural and um, wild, to honor our unique and diverse community and have a positive sense of the future. And so my point was we're not getting there. We can't get to this positive future if you can't acknowledge what happened in the past. And so um, it had to be in there. And so then I faced, um, how do I do that? You know, it's public art. I sort of don't, I mean, I did a lot of research and what, what you learn when you do the research is just, I don't know, it's its horrifying and shocking and it's the... the yeah, you probably, you probably learned things you had no idea about, right? It, it, yes, I did. Yeah. And especially in California, this happened, I mean, it happened throughout the United States, but California was the end, right? Like prior to California... Native people could have a little further to go. You know, you could keep pushing them, and they could go further, but not anymore. And then with the gold rush and all these people, it was just an ugly history. With them. Right, well, and also the Natives have the Russians and the Spanish also had the conquering wasn't conquering, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, they're, yeah. you know, especially with the fur trading and just the things that I've learned about the yes. Russian interaction. the settlers. I mean, the... The missions too, and yeah. and I've even read. And I don't know if it's something that was depicted in your mural or if you encountered this. Is that one of the reasons why the native tribes in this area were more have remained more intact until say the fifties when they were all sent away to schools and stuff like that, but that they were still so strong was because they had more trust because of the initial people they interacted with. You know that they were there was a kind of a spirit of of working together before it got it turned the other direction. Yeah, I think in general that was true before statehood and yeah, exactly. let's say before California became a state there was more I mean it was could be quite brutal but there was more interaction and like the Mexican um ranchers needed them for labor and they didn't want them killed off, you know, we need we sort of need to work together, even though well, that you know, I think that's one of the things that as a, as Americans, we don't think about as much as we could, <laughs> because so much of our foundation, so much of what we think of ourselves, we have this really positive viewpoint, and we are standing on so much bloodshed and mm-hmm. and subjugation of others, 
And it's really mind-bending once you start opening that trash can lid, so to speak, and going, right. oh, my God, this is my legacy. This is my history. Because we're, you know, most of us, I think, identify, self-identify as really good people. And when you think of America, you think, well, we're a great country. And then you start looking closer. It doesn't make us not a great country. It's just the authenticity of the stories yes. that we tell ourselves. Right? Yes, and we could make the stories true if we acknowledge and yeah. and are honest and describe what happened and do the right thing now. Right. So, yeah. So that has a, what? This is what you're attempting to do with your mural, yes. right? That's the... Yes. That's, yeah. Yeah, so, we, so we, it had... What? I wanted to say that we're getting close to time, so I want to make sure okay. that we don't get too... Because yes. I can tell this could be a second. We can have conversation, too. Maybe we should just keep this going, and then we'll come back for part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so just to finish that up really quickly, the, those two, the next two panels called Endurance and Truth are how I dealt with it. And instead of, I didn't, like, depict the depravities and the murders, but I showed the strength of the people and their endurance through, you know, the image of this mother who's with her little child and is has a little smokeless fire underneath pine branches. It's the only panel that's in the wintertime. Everything else is warm. This one's cold. Um, so her village has been burned and people are gone, but she's st she is enduring. And in the next one called Truth, I used the beauty of the colors and the imagery to offset the grotesqueness of the subject. And it's a woman basically laying on the ground um, with her baby, and there are red stripes in her blankets. So you're not too startled when you see red there, but it's also spreading, and it's her blood because she has been um, murdered. And it's done in a subtle way, but I think hopefully it gets it gets it across. And so then from there it moves into administration and there's a lot more in that panel i would encourage um, listeners to look at the website to see more of all of these stories well so, and yeah, then also tomorrow the 6th of may is yes. going to be the ribbon cutting right you want to talk about yes. that yes yes i want the um your listeners to come to the party when you're listening to this it will be the next day it's friday the 6th, it's a first Friday, so it's a Ukiah's Art Walk, and this is part of it, but we're having a whole special party with a street closed off and um, wine donated by local wineries and um, and just getting together. We're going to have a band, Easy Street is playing, and it's 5 to 8 p.m. Just bring yourself, bring friends, and come see the mural and come celebrate. It's been four years. How do you feel? Well, it's good. I'm really glad that it's done. I and there's so much to do for this party which basically I'm putting on and we don't have a budget for, so we're doing it ourselves so that <laughs> oh, the arts are not gonna match and we're using up all this stuff in the house, but you know, it's gonna be fun. There's just so much to do, but um it feels really good for it to be done, but I do miss and I'm sure it hasn't even sunk in yet really because we're still in April. But I like going to Ukiah to get the heat, and my son lives there now, so I will definitely miss being there working on that street. So I need to get a few other new projects going 
in Ukiah and here. Right. Well, I know that there's some 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 chatter about the idea of you doing something on the wall of the arena theater. I will say that yes. that's something that yes. I've brought up a few times, so I'm excited yes. for that. Thank you, Blake. Yeah, it'd be nice to, to do a similar, smaller, um, like real lateral scene of plywood sheets so it would only be eight feet tall, but do all these scenes of history from here. It'd be really yeah. fun. Right. It's a nice wall, too, and it needs something. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, we are out of time, unfortunately. You want to give that website again and how else people can find out more about you? Yes, yes. Please visit historymural.com. Uh, that's the, 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 this project. It's a huge website. I don't want to scare people off, but there are so many <laughs> stories. There's so much to see. Um, so go to that website for this project and my regular website, which is still rather primitive because I've been working for four years on this, is artgoddess.com. Um, but it'll get upgraded as soon as I catch my breath. Well, I mean, it's a block-long history mural, so uh, I think you should rest on some Lauren laurels for a little while. And really <laughs> Thank just, you. It's, I, I encourage all the listeners to go check that out when you're in Ukiah. If you live in Ukiah, I'm sure you've seen it. But it's really yes. worth a visit. It truly is. It's, it's something. So thank you so much for your devotion to the arts and your willingness to bring it alive here in Mendocino County. Thank you, Blake. Thanks for doing the interview. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks for being you. You're a wonderful member of this community, and I really enjoy sharing time with you. Yes, same here. Thank you. <laughs> And that concludes my interview with Mendocino County muralist Lawrence Sennett. As you see, that's one of the great things about the station, KZYX, is that we highlight things happening in our county that shows us all what this magical place we've chosen to live is all about. So again, please support the building fund for KZYX and visit kzyx.org and donate today. And of course, stay tuned. Up next, we have W. Dan and the Treehouse. Lots of good laughs, which I know we all love to have so much. And I just want to thank you all. I'm Blake Moore. You've been listening to Be More Now. And uh, yes, peace to the people of the planet. Let's all find each other and be nice and communicate. Find the way to find common ground. That's what we're looking for right now. More and more common ground. All right. Thanks, everyone. Stay tuned. I'll be back next month in the first Thursday of June. Take care. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening. Thank you.